morning. Let's stand and pray as we prepare to worship together. Sorry about that. Lord, as we come together to worship you today, I know that there are so many distractions. I know that a lot of us are uncomfortable right now because it is warm in here. And I know that there's so much going on in our lives that competes with you. But God, nothing competes with you. And so I pray that you would help us, that you would help me as I go through my life. And as I observe what's going on, I pray that you would help me to see your fingerprints, help me to see the things that you were doing. And Lord, I pray that you would help us all as we go through a world that desperately needs to know love. I pray that you would help us to know when you were calling us and that you would help us to meet our divine appointments because you know better. And so God, I pray that as we worship today, that you would be honored and glorified in everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God, you're so good. And I just want to thank you for this time together. I just want to ask that these next few minutes, God, um, you would be you would be worshipped and you would be honored, that you would be here present with us. And I pray that you would help us to set aside our worries and all of the distractions and um, that we can just come together to honor you and worship you. And, um, thank you for loving us so much that you were willing to die for us. And I just pray that, um, that we can experience that love in greater ways. Um, God, I love you and trust you. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Good morning. Oh, it's kind of toasty in here. So if you're at home watching online, consider yourself blessed and highly favored to have air conditioning because we are a little warm. But that's all right. They're working on it. They'll get it fixed. Um, thanks for joining us this morning. It's so good to see everybody's faces. It's so nice to start getting back into the swing of things, of getting to come together um, as a church and just, just as humans, to be together in a room is really nice and refreshing to see everybody. Um, so just so you know, as reminders, we are able to start getting things back up and running. So Kids Sunday School has started again. So yes, you can clap for that. That's a good thing. <laughs> um, so it has started on campus. We also still have an online version, so if you're not quite ready to come back yet, that's okay. Mr. Bob will be leading online Sunday school. We're also getting back into the swing of things of adult uh, Wednesday nights. So adults, for your Wednesday night Bible study, we are back on campus. Again, still have a Zoom option. Um, and also youth group is back meeting in person. This is our high school study, um, our summer studies on Wednesdays. We're going through a, a book called Forgotten God. It's about the Holy Spirit. Um, so getting up and running, super excited. Um, and a few other things we have going on. On the 19th, which is tomorrow, we have a new membership class. So this is um, for folks who want to come and um, be in person, also online. If you are interested in membership at Murray Hill Church, shoot us an email, info at murrayhill.church, and we will get you connected with that. We are also super excited on the 25th of this month. We are having a day of worship, and we are just going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate all God is doing, all he has done. Um, we're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're just going to be together for that Sunday, and then following worship, we're going to have a lunch together. We're going to have some barbecue, um, some good food. We're going to eat together. You don't have to bring anything. It's all going to be prepared, so we'll come, have our day of worship, kick it back into the fellowship hall, and um, have a good meal together. Um, so I Oh, yeah. God bless barbecue. <laughs> I think I hit everything. I don't think I have any other announcements. So um, we're going to continue worshiping. If you didn't know, today is the World Listening Day. And the theme this year of World Listening Day is an unquiet earth. And I love that um, because I know for, for my... my like my spiritual well-being, my emotional well-being. When I can hear the birds singing, I know this might sound weird, but when I can hear the birds, I know I'm in a, I'm in a calm place and I'm connected with the spirit and um, my mind isn't racing. And so the idea of the birds singing reminds me of when, when Jesus was talking to his disciples and um, he said, you don't, you don't have to worry about what's coming. Um, does God not know when the smallest, least expensive bird that's sold in the market falls to the ground, 
but even more so, he knows how many hairs are on your head. So you don't have to be afraid. God's got you. He knows you. He knows what you need. So um, I hope you can enjoy some unquiet earth on this world listening day. But more so, I hope that we can just continue into a time of worship and use our voices and music to lift up unquietness to worship God. So let's continue in our worship time. Father God, we read in your word 
in the book of Genesis that you came into the garden and you said, Adam, Adam, where are you? Lord, we know that you didn't say that because you didn't know where Adam was. Lord, you said that because Adam didn't know where Adam was. So, Father, help us, each of us, to come to the realization that where we are is and always will be in need of you, our Savior, our hope, our King. Father, we love you, and we're so grateful that you visited us. In Jesus' name.
Heavenly Father, we come before you and celebrate that the tomb failed, that death could not win, and that King Jesus is alive. Amen. We thank you, Lord, that we can be right with you because of what he did. We thank you for the beauty of that reality. And in spite of our failures, in spite of our mistakes, in spite of our sin, we can be reconciled to you. So Father, I pray for this time. I pray that it would honor you. I pray that it would be everything you want it to be. And I pray that your spirit would transform us and make us new today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Please be seated. So this morning, I've been reminded of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You know, at the very end of the movie, uh, they're chasing after the, the chalice that Jesus used on um, uh, at the Last Supper, and, and so the Holy Grail. And so they finally get there, and uh, they find this room full of chalices, and the bad guy comes and drinks out of the wrong one, and his face melts off his head, right? And the soldier guarding them, the, the soldier from the Crusades guarding it, says, he chose poorly. And I was like, yeah, you think? And then finally, and then Indiana Jones drinks out of the right one, of course, and said, you chose wisely. I thought of that today because those of you that chose to stay home today, you chose wisely. Because <laughs> those of us in the room, our faces are melting off our heads. It's pretty warm in here today. So glad that you're joining us here and, and online. And we've been, we've been talking about life post-pandemic 
And I know that uh, the pandemic is surging again uh, in some ways. And so, uh, but the reality is as followers of Jesus and really as society, we're back out in society, whether that's best or not, that's, what, that's where we are. And so the question is, is how do we as followers of Jesus, how do we respond to this post-COVID world as it is, as it is forming? How do we live our lives? And we've talked about how we interact with people, with family and friends. We've talked about the fellowship and how we connect to each other. Uh, we, we have talked about forgiving people. We've talked about freedom in Christ. And, and today we're going to wrap this up with this thing that I think is so essential for us to be a, an overarching theme for us, and it's, it's faithfulness. And so we're going to use a passage from 2 Corinthians. And just a little background, uh, the, the Corinthian church was... Uh, Paul's bad child, if you will. Uh, it was the one that was, he had the hardest time with. You read 1 Corinthians, and he just lets them have it about so many things they were doing wrong. And uh, you see in their story how uh, they were immoral, that they, were, they didn't love each other. They didn't act like they loved each other anyway. They were doing all these things wrong, and, and 1 Corinthians was very corrective. And it seems like they sent a letter back asking questions. Second Corinthians, he answers some of those questions, and he's still getting on to them about things they haven't been doing well. And then he gets to chapter 5. And chapter 5, he, he tells them, gives them this hope. He says, listen, the reason we do this, the way that we do it, the reason we pursue Christ is because what's awaiting for us in the afterlife. And he has this whole section about the new heaven and the new earth and our resurrected bodies and how marvelous it's going to be and any sacrifices we make now are worth it. And so it's in that context then we, we read the passage from today um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, we'll start at verse 11, but we're going to focus on 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 11, page 1160, we're using the Pew Bible. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live long, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, now, so, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Uh, translated better down below, it says the pers that person is a new creation, I think. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, uh, two things today, and, and the first one is unbelievably important to be reminded about. 
And that is the reality that we have been reconciled to God because of what Jesus did. So let's look at the passage here just a little bit. Verse 16, so from now on we regard no one through a worldly point of view that we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So Paul says we used to see Jesus the way everybody does. We used to see Jesus as uh, maybe a good teacher or maybe a prophet, but not who he really was. We don't see him that way any longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, or they are a new creation. And so those of us who follow Christ, we, we're made new. We're brand new. And God sees us in a totally different way, and we are a totally different way. Amen. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Now, to understand reconciliation, um, let's take a modern example. So let's say there is a couple who's been married for some time, and they decide to divorce for whatever reason. And they, they separate for a time, and they are distanced from each other, and they live their own lives, and then something happens, they're back in each other's lives, and they decide to get remarried, all right? That is, that is a very earthly picture of reconciliation, when, when two people come back together after separating. And so Paul uses the word reconciliation in our relationship with God, and he says we have been reconciled to God through what Jesus did. We have been made right with God. So I, I want to talk to you about that and what that might look like. And so I'm, I'm going to use this as an illustration. And I'm going to tell you before I use it that it's way over personifying God. Okay? In other words, it's giving God way too many, many human characteristics. And so I tell you that because what I'm about to do when you write your book on theology, don't use this as an illustration. Okay? All right. So I want you to imagine that I am sitting at a round table that has room for three people. Okay, you got that in your brain? You see that? You see the table that's there? That's not there but there, you see it? Okay, so I'm sitting at the table and I represent humanity. I know that's a tough choice. I know to pick me to represent humanity is probably not a great thing, but I represent humanity, okay? And sitting right here, is God the Father, okay? Over personification, I told you. But I'm in this conversation with God and, and I tell God, listen, I want to be connected to you. And before Jesus came, he said, I'm sorry, we can't do that. But, but I, I know that I need you, I'm sorry. I'm perfect holiness, perfect righteousness. Your sin won't allow that to happen. You see, you go back to the Garden of Eden, and, and you see that this, there was this intimacy between God and humans that Gary already addressed, and, and it was broken when the humans chose to sin. They choose, chose to disobey. And there's this brokenness, and so there is coming to God and saying, I want this to be made right, and God said, I'm sorry. There's nothing you can do to be good enough to make this happen. That sounds petty and it sounds mean, but the truth is God in his perfect holiness and God in his perfect righteousness cannot be associated with sin. It just can't. So imagine on the other side of the table, God the Son, Jesus, sitting there as well. 
And he looks at me, and he looks at the father. He says, hey, what if somebody dies on their behalf? And the father would say, now again, <laughs> this was all determined before the beginning of time. So I know this is not, don't write your theology book on this. But let's say that, that God the Father looks at me and looks at the Son and says, listen, if there was a perfect sacrifice, if there was someone who never sinned, someone who never failed, someone who never let me down, would be willing to die for humanity on their behalf, and we could make this work. And you imagine Jesus the Son sitting there saying, I'll do it. I'll sacrifice my spot here in the universe overlooking everything to go and live as a human being. And I'll live life perfectly. And I'll follow everything that I'm supposed to follow. And I will give myself for them so that humanity can be reconciled to you. And then we know that Jesus came and lived the perfect life. He died on the cross, was buried, conquered death, came back to life, ascended back to the Father so that reconciliation could happen. So I, I want to tell you, when we talk about being reconciled, it is a beautiful, undeserved gift. And we've been given this opportunity to accept that relationship as a, as a new start. And make it clear, we become a new creation. We become a new being. It's as if we'd never sinned. But we have to come to the point where we realize we need Jesus' help to get there. We've been made new for those of us who follow him because of the reconciliation that was made possible by what Jesus did. And so today I just want to stop there for a second and say, man, if we can't celebrate that inside of us, that Jesus would get every, give everything so that we could be right with the Father, we've got nothing to celebrate, right? It's a big deal that Jesus would give everything for us. And in obedience to the Father and his plan, he said, yes. He said, humanity is worth it. You're worth it. I was worth it. And so reconciliation happened. So the relationship with God has an opportunity to be made right. And so I want to tell you, if you've never accepted that opportunity, you really ought to do that. Amen. You really ought to do that. You ought to come to the point where you say, you know what, I can't do enough to reconcile this relationship, so I'm going to trust in what Jesus did for me so that I can be right with the Father. It's the best reality out there. This idea of reconciliation. Now, going on then, going back to the, the post-pandemic reality, when we find out that we've been reconciled and we realize this incredible gift that God gave us, when we realize how wonderful he's been to us by allowing us to be reunited with him and reconnected to him as, as human beings when we throw ourselves on his mercy, then we must understand the reality of who we're called to be. And that's what Paul says in, in his argument, if you will, in, the, in this next passage, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself, 
in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. It's a beautiful phrase, by the way. And then, he says in verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. You see, once we become reconciled to God, then our title changes. We become ambassadors. We become people who represent King Jesus on earth. We become people that every conversation we have, everything that we do, every interaction that takes place, we represent King Jesus. Because we've been reconciled to God and we are now a part of a brand new kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It is a kingdom that he set up and established and if you want to know his outline for it, read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's what the kingdom of Jesus Christ is to be like. And you and I, we we get to be a part of that kingdom because of his act of reconciliation for us and now our responsibility is to be an ambassador. You know what an ambassador does? An ambassador represents, so let's talk about the United States because that's what we understand. And please take Democrat, Republican out of this as you think about this. Okay? An ambassador represents the United States of America and specifically the president in another country. Right? So each time there's a new president, the new president will select someone to represent uh, the United States of America in whatever country it is, right? So let's, let's imagine for a second that the president selects someone to represent the United States in Germany. I'm just randomly selecting a country, all right? And so the ambassador goes to Germany, and the idea is, is that the ambassador is supposed to, everything they do, represent the United States of America, and so let's say that the president calls the ambassador to Germany and says, listen, we have an overabundance of grain in our country and we want the Germans to buy it. Go and see if you can negotiate that. I don't know anything about grain supplies, so again, I'm making this up, all right? So let's say the ambassador goes to the leaders of Germany and says, listen, they want me to talk to you about our grain because we have an overabundance, but here's what I'm gonna tell you. France's grain's a lot better and it's a lot closer, it's gonna be cheaper. You, you need to go get France's grain. That wouldn't make us very happy, would it? Or maybe it's this way, maybe, maybe they were, the ambassador was told, I want you to go and, and try and get a negotiation with, with Germany about grain, but instead of grain, they go, you know, they want me to talk about grain, but I'm not gonna talk about grain, let's talk about oil. We got oil. I'm supposed to talk to you about grain, but I'm not interested in that. I'm really interested in, in making an agreement with oil. Well, we're, we're seeing an ambassador that's gonna get fired pretty quick, right? Because they're misrepresenting the country. Hear me when I say, as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, there are a lot of Christians misrepresenting our king right now. There are a lot of people who claim to follow Jesus, misrepresenting the king. And they're caught up in negotiations that the king's not really concerned about. 
They're caught up in debates that the king is like, what are you doing? You've been called to be an ambassador of reconciliation. Instead, you're fighting each other about masks, and about vaccinations, and about politics. You've been called to be an ambassador of reconciliation. What are you doing? But praise God in his grace, he doesn't fire us. You see, we, we get so caught up in, in the moment and what's going on in society that we, we think, well, I, I'm doing a good thing here, and, and it, it may be a, a wonderful thing in some ways, but, but we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves, is it really representing the king in this kingdom? Is he really concerned about this? Oh, and we can convince ourse- ourselves that he's concerned about things that he's not, but let's be honest, it's all about a ministry of reconciliation. See, I think Jesus, if he were like one of us, he would say, you know what, I gave up everything for you people. And you're being distracted by stuff I don't care about. Get back on task. I think he'd say that to us. And I think it's time for us to step back and to say, you know what, as we go back into this world, and as we interact with people, quit fighting the fights that don't matter. Be a minister of reconciliation. Let people know that Jesus gave everything for them. See, that's why James said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Too many times we're quick to become angry and quick to speak, and we don't ever listen. It's time for us to step back to reconsider that every word that comes out of my mouth, every action that I have represents or misrepresents my king. And it's time for us to take it seriously. See, as we go back into the world, we we need to understand that this ministry of reconciliation is what it's all about for us. And somehow we got it in our heads that we can fix the world. We can't fix the world. We can't do it. We can't even change the world but God through us can. This week, this weekend, Ladina and I went to the beach and being a fair-skinned person, sunscreen is extremely important for me. But I woke up the day after and realized I had not applied everywhere that I should have. And it's really bizarre. I have a streak right here and a streak right here and a circle around my belly button, which I don't know. Really, really weird. Um, but I woke up the next day and got in the shower and was like, oh my gosh, that hurts. So I didn't really realize it. And I looked in the mirror and I just started laughing at myself. And so I have to reapply and reapply and reapply and reapply because uh, it's just the reality of my skin. And so I, I look back over that and I think, okay, what should I have done differently? And so we process, process that, and it's like, okay, next time we're going to do it this way. Next time we're going to make sure we get those spots, because they really hurt, and make sure everything's covered. Somehow, through all of this journey of following Christ, we've been misapplying the truth. And we're finding ourselves getting burned. We've been misapplying the truth. 
and we've been finding ourselves getting burned. I want you to process with me what a post-pandemic world really needs. Because we've got 18 months of being cooped up, stored up inside of us, and people are doing crazy stuff. They're driving like maniacs. We saw that on Edgewood. A woman's lost her life recently because of drag race. We're seeing people being really rude in the stores. We're, we're seeing a, just a, a, a temper and an anger that is so not from God. And so as a follower of Jesus then, what do I bring to this? I bring this reality of reconciliation. It doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to be in this despair. You don't have to live in this hopelessness. You don't have to live in this anger. Because Jesus came and died for us. And he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And we don't have to live this way. That's what they need to see, is reconciliation, how it's supposed to be lived out. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, I'll just be up front, um, the whole quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry is really a lot easier for me to teach you than it is to practice. Uh, that's just the truth. But by the grace of God, he's transforming me. And it's day-to-day. -day. I mean, some days the person cuts me off in traffic and I say rude things about them and their families, even though I've never met them. And there's other days the same thing will happen and I'll pray for them. And so please don't hear me say I've mastered all of this and mastered what it means to be an ambassador. But the truth is we need to stop and we need to think, how would King Jesus have me live in this situation today? because they need to see the king in us. Paul summed it up in Colossians 3, 17. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for the glory of Jesus. Do it all for him. Every conversation, every action, every email, every post on Facebook, everything that you do, we need to ask ourselves, does this bring glory to the king? And if it doesn't, step away from it. Step away from it. And remember the ministry of reconciliation, that we have the greatest news in the history of humankind, that Jesus gave everything so that we could be right with God. That's what the world needs to hear. We need to live it, and we need to tell it, for the glory of our King. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for reconciliation, a gift so undeserved, but I thank you that you made us worthy. I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. I, I thank you for the hope that that brings, and, and Father, forgive us for fighting battles you don't care about. Forgive us for focusing on the things that are secondary.
Teach us, O oh Lord, to live every day, to have every conversation, to have everything we do. Be about the king and his kingdom. And, oh, Lord, how desperately our world needs to see that. Father, I thank you that you didn't call us to condemn, that you didn't call us to judge, but you called us to be ambassadors of reconciliation. And, Father, I, I pray that right this minute, that every person in this room and every person watching would get a face of someone burned on their brain that needs to be reconciled. That they would be driven to tell that person the greatest news ever, that Jesus died for them. And now, Father, I pray if there's anyone here or watching that does not know you, that today you would draw them to yourself and today would be a day of reconciliation for them. It's in that wonderful and precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here watching and you've never been reconciled to God. Please know that the story of reconciliation is your story. It's one that's available to you. It's a gift that's been offered to you. If only you'll receive it. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, but you know you need to, and I invite you in just a minute as we sing to walk through these doors to the Welcome Center. Let's talk about faith and what that means. Maybe you're watching online and you know you need Christ. You can text us, you can email us uh, with the numbers that are there for you. But please know that the greatest news you're ever going to hear is that Jesus died for you. Maybe you have questions about faith, things that are confusing to you. Maybe there are things about scripture or things about religion or, or the Bible or whatever it is, and, and you have questions, please, please ask. Same, same method, Welcome Center or online. Please know you will not be judged in a negative way by your questions. Or maybe you're here listening or watching and, and you're already a follower of Jesus and God has put on your heart that you need to be a part of this community of faith. In the room, I invite you when we're done to come to the Welcome Center and talk about what that means and what that looks like. Online, again, text us or email us. Or maybe today you're like me and this week you've been reminded, I've really begun fired up about the wrong stuff. And maybe it's just time to pray, Lord, Help me be an ambassador of reconciliation. Help me to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Help me to be a person in my words that your love flows through me. Help me to be a person that fights the true one battle that matters for you. Help me to be an ambassador of reconciliation. You respond today as you feel led as we stand and worship together. Murray Hill, as we prepare to sing, when we were rehearsing this earlier, um, Gary, my dad, said something that was really, really interesting about this song that we're going to sing. It basically is the story of the gospel that we were without God and needed him 
that Jesus came to reveal his kingdom and to reconcile us and that he died for our sins and was resurrected so that we could truly have fellowship with God. So I want to invite you as we sing it, think through the words as we worship together.
Murray Hill, we truly hope that you will join us next week as we worship our King together, as we celebrate with baptism and communion, and then as we fellowship afterwards as we eat together. Have a wonderful week. Go with God and remember where his spirit is leading you. In Jesus' name, have a great day.